Today we're continuing in the, in the String Theory series, um, and we're talking about worship and how, how does that play out in our life? Um, how, what does worship connect to? And I just, I just want you guys to close your eyes and picture with me really quick. Uh, it's snowing outside. It's icy, cold, and you're walking out of, out of the main sanctuary, of, and it, you just walk out of your last last message of, the, of your first time at church camp. You see this kid, um, only 16 years old, and he's struggling because his parents are getting divorced. He thinks that they hate each other. Um, he's pretty socially awkward, and he's just tired of hurting and feeling like there's just nothing but pain, nothing worth living for. Um, this kid's walking away from his, his group of friends uh, from church, and he's walking into this, this store. The, it, it's just a bookstore, and there's this place where it has a, a, on everything, it's just got verses and poems and good, good Christian stuff. Um, and he, it's not like he's really there to buy anything. He doesn't have that much money, so he's just there looking and trying to think about what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be someone that has devoted their life to Christ. He, he doesn't know. But what God, God is after him, he wants him, and he's going to let him know. He's, he's leading him to this one specific thing, and it, it, it's got a poem on it. And that, we're, gonna, we're just going to pause right there. Um, poetry, in my opinion, is one of the coolest things. I don't get it very well. I'm not... Uh, a poet, but poetry is just so important to the human expression. It's so important, in fact, that C.S. Lewis writes that poetry, too, is a little incarnation, giving body to what had been before, invisible and inaudible. Poetry is a method of expression. It's a method of expressing our deepest emotions, our deepest experiences, desires, and fears. Poetry is used to reveal who we are at the deepest subatomic level, why we, why we are ticking. Um, and it tries to explain that, usually through imagery or uh, metaphors or other random poetics that I couldn't, you'd have to ask Annie about because she's the poet over here. Um, <laughs> but this is exactly what the, old, what the Psalm, book of Psalms in the Old Testament does. Um, and it's really primarily why I love it. It has such good use of imagery. Um, we're, we're going to take a look at, uh, at the book of Psalms today, and may, primarily uh, laments, but we'll, we'll get to that. I, I just want to talk about uh, the book of Psalms as a whole really quick. The book of Psalms is composed of 150 different, different poems. Uh, put the song, it, ancient Hebrew. We don't know any of the songs anymore because we just, obviously, we didn't care, apparently. Um, <laughs> but these 150 poems are expressions of our deepest Deepest emotions, deepest experiences and uh, desires, fears. Um, and they're, they're all separated into seven different categories called genres. First, we have the hymn. Um, hymn is a praise song. It's calling all of creation into praise of God. Then we have the thanksgiving. Th- giving thanks. Uh, don't know how much more I need to say on that. Um, Remembrance. Maybe you haven't heard about this one yet. Remembering the things God has done. 
This is usually the Psalms where you led us out of Egypt, you part of the Red Sea, you planted us, you gave us life. God, you, you burned on a bush and it didn't expire. Um, it, it's calling all the things God did. It's not just making us, the lamenters, the people praising, remember it, but it's saying, God, do you remember this? Do you, do you remember this? Uh, this time when you did this? You're really cool. Then you got the kingship psalms. Kingships are the proclamation of God's kingship and sovereignty. We're, we're, pl- we're proclaiming God is king. God has authority. God is the one leading me and guiding me. Uh, then we have confidence, psalms of confidence, and these are psalms that say, God, we trust you. you remember the, all those things that we said in the remembrance psalm? Well, we know that you, that you can do it, that you are powerful and you can lead us out. We know that, and we trust you, God. Then we come to the wisdom psalms. These are a little different in the fact that they're not so touchy-feely, kind of, let's cry about everything. It is, these are geared towards the, the philosophers, towards the people that are gaining wisdom, but also to young students. Um, and it's, it's basically a reminder, drawing us back into the book of Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes, saying, you, you can learn all these things, but remember, God, fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it constantly brings us back into those. And then we get my favorite. Um, we get the laments. Prayers, prayers or complaints put to song. Yes, I love to complain. Awesome. Um, lament. It, it's my favorite for a reason. It, it brings all, all seven different categories together. It combines them all and uses them, saying, yes, God, we remember when you did this. We remember. Um, God, you are king. You are sovereign what's happening now, like, confidence. We believe that you're going to do this, God, but where are you? Um, it's these psalms that you kind of find that are a little more depressing. They're something that, well, I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't want to think that God isn't there, so I'll skip to the next verse, I'll skip to the next verse or the next psalm. Um, and that's just, we can't do that to the, to the laments because they're so important, because they draw us in. They reach us at a different level of emotion. But the thing about all of these are they are all meant for the corporate worship of God. They're all, they were all sung in the temple. They were all sung by multiple people all at once. Uh, they could be used by the, like, for the individual, but usually they were sung by the congregation, all attending the temple um, to worship God. And I think that's really cool uh, to think that all... All, different, all these different types of psalms, all these different songs were written for the praise of God. Um, but today, like I said, we're talking about laments. And what, what is a lament? Why do we still have those in, in the book of Psalms? Why, do we, why can we still use them? Can we still use them? Like, we have to ask that question. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start with defining what a lament is. Uh, Dr. Trumper Longman the third, uh, a teacher of mine, he wrote, a lament is a set poetic prayer aimed to present a need to God so that A, he may resolve it, and B, further his praise. If we break this definition down, we see that there's two explicit purposes for a lament. It, it is to present something to God so he can resolve it. He can, he can fix it. He can um, do what he wants with it. But B, to further his praise. 
it, again, it was meant for the worship of God. But not just worship, but furthering his worship, furthering his praise. Um, when we ask God to resolve an issue, uh, we, we ascribe to it a new, a new name. We can then call it a complaint or a petition. The, this is because the most obvious part of a, of a lament is the part where we say, God, save us. God, beat back the enemy. Get them out of here. God, save us. Again, um, constantly saying, save us. Uh, they were constantly in danger, apparently. Um, however, while, while God says, he, he's constantly saying, give me all of it. Ask me for anything. I'll, I'll give it to you. He's constantly saying that. But he also, he also wants us to let go. He wants us to give it over to him so he can resolve it. That's the point of the lament is to give it over to God. It, it's yours. Take it. Uh, and I don't know about you guys, but I have such a hard time doing that. Uh, when, whenever something's going wrong, I just want to hold it back and hold it tight to my chest until it's completely fixed and resolved, and I'll ask God's help in it, but I want him to just kind of help me, not completely take it. I am scared because if I let it out of my hands, that means it unravels and it gets bigger and bigger, and I just don't, I don't know what to do with that. I'm kind of hold hold on person and I just kind of don't want to let go right there it's mine but but God wants it he wants it more than I do in fact you know what I usually don't want it I just think I need to I need to need it but God wants the things that even we don't want that God is crazy he want he wants that he can have it okay um but as a result of giving these things up to God once we can, the result should be to praise his name. His name should be lifted up. And often this sets up a formula in the Psalms saying, okay, it's a deal. Like, God, if you do this, I'll praise you. And I, when I first started reading, I was like, um, but what? God, we're making a deal now? Um, I don't know. I, I was really troubled by this. And I kind of thought it was like, we're holding a little, a little biscuit, pretend this is a biscuit, um, a little praise biscuit that sings hallelujah or something over God's nose saying, God, you do this and you get, you get the little singing biscuit, you get, you get a couple hallelujahs. <laughs> I, I don't know if, that, if that's what we have in mind when, when we're singing the laments. It troubled me for a long time. But I think I, I, think I found an example of what, what God is what the lamenters mean when they say, God, if you do this, we'll praise you. It's not so much a deal as it is giving God an opportunity to work, to move, giving an opportunity to further his own praise. He is he's sovereign. He can do it. But we get to look back on it and saying, hey, remember all those remembrance psalms, all the things that we get to remember with you, God? This can be added to that. You can act here and I will praise you. Everyone will praise you. Let, let's look at 1 Samuel 17, 46 through 47. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give, you, give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals, with, animals of the earth. Pause. I, I usually think this is like, 
I kind of picture this as the backyard brawl status. Like, we got two sides, and they're all, they're bashing up against each other. You see them pushing, not, no punches thrown yet, but you get the two leaders coming out, and they're, they're, they're going to bash each other. They're going to talk up how bad they are, how, how, who's got the bigger sword, like, you know. They're going to they're gonna fight it out, but they're going to talk up their own, their own stance first. This is what a guy named Goliath did. Nine feet tall. You guys might have heard this story, David and Goliath. Big guy. Talks about how, how bad the, the Philistine army is, how good they are. But not only that, he's talking about how bad he is. Then he insults the Israelites, insults their God. And that's normal. We're expecting to see the same thing from the Israelites. But we have someone very, very special, very unique and very different, exceptional young man come out. His name's David. And he, he, thro- he throws out the, the old rules of talking about how bad you are, how bad he is, who, he's got the bigger sword. No, he doesn't come out with a sword. This kid comes out with a staff. No armor, nothing. And he's talking about God. My God will hand you over into, give you over into my hand. Let's just finish that up. So that all the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back actually. Uh, this very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all, that, all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. David doesn't just talk about, about how bad he is. He gives everything over to God. God, you take this. My God will deliver you. He's not the God that defeats by sword and spear. David doesn't come out with a sword and spear. He comes out with a wooden staff and a sling. He defeats they, they talk about how big and strong the Goliath's armor is. It weighs more than I do. And he comes out, and the Lord wins with a pebble. He slings a little pebble and burrows in the guy's head. What? That, that's insane. But David comes out and says, God will deliver you. More, more than that? He'll deliver me so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That this entire assembly will know that God does not win with sword and spear. God, God doesn't need it. He doesn't, he doesn't need me. But he chooses to use me. I, this baffles me. David had such a good mind for what, God, what the heart of God was what the heart of God said, and we see that he goes further and, and teaches us. Um, he teaches us this in the Psalms. And not, just, not only does he teach us this, he inspires people in his likeness, to write in his likeness, saying that God, God will deliver. The glory is God's. We are here to further your praise. We have someone um, who writes Psalm 80. His name's Asaph, and he basically created the Institute of Berkeley uh, or Academy of Music in, uh, in old ancient uh, Hebrew, or Israel, sorry. Uh, can we get that up there? Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, 
shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Turn up, stir up your might and come to save us. The first two verses, so important. They identify this as a lament. First we get, give ear. Give ear, O shepherd. You're not listening. It implies God is not listening. God, you're not answering our prayers yet. Why, why have you been absent from us? It implies that they feel forgotten. They don't feel heard. And then we get, we get down to, come save us. This is the, the descriptor of a lament. It says that we're requesting, we're, at, we're petitioning God for something to come save us. Uh, the next verse, we, we're not going to spend too much time on um, because it appears three times and we'll go back over it. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. This is the purpose of the lament. Um, this is saying, God, restore us. Come save us. Uh, and the thing I want you guys to notice there is the us. It, this is the congregation speaking as one. Speaking, come save us. Come save Israel. And then you also get the individual. Come save us. Like, I am petitioning because I'm part of the us. Then we move on to, O Lord, our Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayer? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Here, the entire congregation at the temple is describing their lament. They're describing what, what is hurting them, what their expressions of hurt, their pains together. This is just a poetic description so that we can use it today. They had that in mind. They were thinking, we don't want this just to be us. Yes, that's great, but we want for all generations. All generations can use this. Anyone in any situation can use this lament. It... it it's not completely literal saying that our enemies are laughing at us. Maybe you have coworkers or fellow students, peers, that are laughing behind your back. Maybe they're making fun of you. Maybe you just don't even know, and maybe you're the one laughing. Who knows? Um, th this is just such, a, such an important piece, um, and it leads up to the second request. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. It's leading up, like, God, this is what we're going through. Save us. And then you get to verse 8 through 11. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the, nation. you drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea, and it shoots to the rivers. These four verses are so important as it turns us away from just a prayer to an act of worship. This is a remembrance. We're not, prayer, prayer, we need prayer, guys, but this is worship. It's saying, God, you did this. Look how great that is. You did this. And then it leads us into the, the next, just this next verse. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit the boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. So, God, God, you did all that stuff, but then we're broken. You did all the cool stuff, and now we're left here to rot. Not only did God, is God, has God abandoned them, 
God is against them. Why have you broken down its walls? Why have you broken down my walls, God? Why are things feeding on me? This is not an accusation against God. It is saying, God, we already felt that you, were, you abandoned us, but now everything is turned against us. Where are you? Why are you gone? This is the part where people are crying out, crying out in torment and asking God where he is. And it, again, they want to describe what they're going through. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for the vine, the stock that your right hand planted. They have burned it with fire, and they have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your countenance. I'm okay with the complaining, God. Like, all the ancient Israelites, I'm okay with complaining. I complain a lot. But now they're getting to the part where a lot of people are like, "Uh, okay, we're getting a little harsh here. We're calling God on to make them perish by the rebuke of your countenance. Other psalms might put it as, dash their babies against the wall. Maybe you're familiar with that. Um, (laughs) I'm not okay with that. I haven't been, but why is it in there? Why is it in a song of worship? I I would have to say that it's because they're, they're not saying, God, I'm going to go after them. Help me. They're saying, God, we're, we're, we can't take action. We have no power. We have been broken down. We have been broken down to our knees. So you, they're offering up to God. They're doing what we talked about earlier, saying, God, this is yours. Revenge is not mine. It it can't be mine. I can't do anything. But God, it's yours. They're offering it up to prayer to God. They're giving it over. This is just part of what, what we as humans need to do. We're called to give it up to God because he wants it. Being completely genuine with God, saying, okay, God, this is yours. I'll step back. Less of me, more of you. And it's, it's leading up again. Um, the, the whole poem is just a constant builder to these final, final couple verses. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call on your name. It's the deal. It's saying, if you do this, we'll, we'll, pray, we'll praise you. That's how I used to think of it anyway. Now, I just have to think, okay, yes, if, if you save us, this is another opportunity that God is taking to, to further his praise, to further his name. If, if I can live, I will spend the rest of my life calling upon you, God. And what, what happens when you call out? When you call to someone, when I'm calling to Pastor John in the back, can you guys hear me? Yeah. When I'm calling to Pastor John, you guys can hear me. When I'm calling to God, I'm screaming it. God, hear me. You are glorious. Praise be your name. You guys can hear that. When I promise to call on your name, it's not just an individual worship. God, I'll, I'll worship you in my room. No. No. Take it to the streets. Call out to God there. Bring his name, glory and honor and praise. The final verse, guys, just, this is so cool. This is the, this is the grand finale. This is where we're going we're gonna to finally see exactly what this psalm was all about. 
Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. This is, this is the textbook, text, textbook definition of what a lament is. It presents the lament as, yes, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to ask you for help, God. And then we're going to, because you save us, we will praise your name. We'll let your, your face shine, not just on us, but on everyone. Lord God of hosts, hosts, they, they're going to lead. They're going to take it to the world. This is so cool, guys. I, I love the textbook definition and all that, but it's always left me wondering the why and the how. Why, why are we continuing this now? We have Jesus, joy, 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 happy faces. Um, yeah, joy. And that, but why, I, I don't know that I've met anyone that doesn't, hasn't gone through hurt, hasn't gone through pain, hasn't doubted, hasn't been in a place where they're asking, God, where are you? Where are you in this? I don't know your plans, but where are you? That, we're we're going to address the why, and I, I also want to see how. How do we praise God? How do we praise God and worship him in a lament? How do we worship him in suffering and pain? We're, we're just going to talk about this for just a couple more minutes. Uh, you have to look at the author's. The author's purpose for a lament is to put to music the prayers of the downcast who are seeking salvation, rescue, and or help from God. These are not meant to be complaints about God, but they're, they're meant to be prayers to God, putting their whole forth into it. They're putting all of themselves into their prayer, offering all of who they are to God. We're, we can know that this is... This is what God wants. It's in his will. Jesus told us, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Paul later says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. When I can't come up with a way to pay for school, or my car gets towed from someone's house and the cops just don't seem to care, when your parents are getting divorced, um, a loved one dies. You just you don't feel like doing anything except for hiding, curling up a ball, and not coming out for days on end, not speaking, not caring. This is when God wants you on your knees crying out to him. God wants you there. He wants you in a position of submission, asking for him to help you, to save you. It's, it's, very, it's basic human nature. The first thing that we do as humans is cry out. We're born and we cry out to our mothers or to someone for help, to hold us, to keep us safe. It's probably the most important thing that we do as humans, as men and women, is crying out to God to hold us and keep us safe. It lets him know that, he, that we do want him, that we care. But I'll tell you right now, the best part about it all, God wants you to cry out to him. He wants you, all of you, the good, the bad, ugly. He wants it. He has promised to hear out your request and give you an answer. Psalm 9.9 says, God is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. He wants you. And he's given us an example of how to do it. Jesus Christ cried out to his father plenty. 
especially as he's leading up to the cross, said, he echoed Psalm 22, my God, my God, where, why have you forsaken me? In this, we must identify with Christ because he was unafraid to call out to his father. In his anxiety, his pain, his suffering, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because of the cross, we can know that our God sympathizes with our pains, our temptations. He knows what, it, what it's like. He knows what it means to be a human, to be abandoned, to feel abandoned anyway. God cried out to himself. Uh, Oswald Chambers says, we have, uh, we have to pray with our eyes on God, not on the difficulties. I, I really think Chambers was thinking about when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane and asking God, God, take this cup from me. But immediately after, sweating blood, he says, not my will, but your will be done. Oh, my gosh. Guys, that's, that's our example. We humbly submit to God, but accept his decision, accept what he has, he has to say. Jesus went to the cross knowing that there would be pain and suffering and death. But he also knew that because of his example, we would be saved. Because of example, we would cry out to God, and his name would be glorified. I think that's the why. Um, that's why we, we lament, why we can be genuine with God. How? How do we do it? How do we participate in genuine worship while we are in the midst of suffering and pain? Uh, if you didn't gather, guys, the kid in the beginning, um, socially awkward, might give me away. Uh, I was in the midst of maybe the hardest, hardest time of my life, the most confusing. And it, it was in that place when I read that poem it was called Footprints in the Sand. You may have heard of it. It's a, it's a modern lament. It is someone crying out to God, like worried because they don't see his presence in, in their lives. It's that that I read, and I was bawling my eyes out. I've got to tell you, I, I was weeping. and It was the first, first night, though, that I was ever open with anyone about my life, about what I was really struggling with, and we prayed together. The, my church friends, the people that I was with, the body of Christ, we prayed together, we sang, we prayed again, and we sang some more. But we did it as a youth group. I, 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 I've learned so much in my time in school, and maybe this is one of the coolest, about laments, about worship. I, I didn't know what lament was until this year, this past school year, and I didn't think that you could worship any other way except for in singing. But I got to tell you that I believe at the very core of who I am, I belong to a greater being, a greater body, and it's only within that body that I, that I can worship. It's only with you guys that I can worship truly. I, I have to be surrounded by people, not, not because I'm an extrovert, but because it's within that, that community that God has called us, and he's brought you here to lament together as one body, as they did in the temple, as they did in Psalm 80. Save us. Uh, my challenge to you guys this week is share with your church family. Share with the people that you're with, people sitting to your right and your left, front and back. Pray with them. Uh, confess what, you, what is going on in your life, how you feel, what, 
get, I know, if you're afraid of all the feelings and mushy-gushy, get past it. This is a time where you get to share your heart with people and share the love of God with people. 